Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. God bless you this morning as we share around the Word. I'm going to do that thing that I know you don't like me doing. But would you mind standing for a moment? I honor the, go- the reading of the Word of God. I honor the ministry. This is much more than about an individual teaching from the Scripture. This is about the, the very heart of the Father that's been translated and transferred through the preaching of the, the Gospel into our hearts. And I want to pray every heart will be receptive, every ear will be open, our preconceived ideas will be closed off, and we'll be open to the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, would you come and direct our hearing today? Would you direct our speaking? Would you direct our processing? We want these words to be anointed in the Holy Spirit. We want them to come with peace. We want them to come with joy. And we want them to come with power. Words from the Holy Spirit can transform us and through us transform the community around us. We say, welcome, Holy Spirit. This is not switch off worship and go into the Bible. This is just more Holy Spirit now. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you something quite funny that happened to me last night. So here I am. I'm having a bra place with my son and my daughter arrives halfway through this. My grandson, you know, little little bear, little Nathan, he's discovered games on cell phones. So he's only this big. And the cell phone's about this big. But he's discovered games. So he's like pacing and he's walking and he's, and he's playing this game. And Rain and I having a dad and son time with our grandson, barbecuing, bra flacing, some lacquer meat there. And my daughter comes and pops in. And she's standing in the kitchen, unbeknown to my grandson, Walks up, stands next to her, is playing the game, walks around her, walks past her, walks back out to where the fire is, playing the game. So I say to him, I say, Bear, who's daddy talking to in the kitchen? Because I didn't know she'd arrived. Bear, who's daddy talking to in the kitchen? And without looking up from his phone, he goes, "Um, he's talking to Carrie. (gasps) And he looks up and he goes, Carry! And he turns and he runs inside and he grabs her on the leg and he says, Hello, Auntie Carrie. You had to be there. It was like, it was so close, but he didn't see it. When he relayed the story to me, it clicked that she was in the kitchen and it was the first time he looked up from the phone. And he ran inside with just childish glee. Carrie, Carrie. You know, it's a great story. I know maybe more for me than for anybody else. 
It's one of those, you know. But here's, here's what's remarkable about it, is for all of us, you know, sometimes things in our life that are so close that we completely miss them because we are focused on something else. I mean, that was so profound. I'm going to say that again. There are times in our life that we are so preoccupied with the immediacy of what's in our face that we miss the things that God is doing and preparing around us. And it's only when somebody asks us what he is daddy talking about that we suddenly You know, I want Sunday mornings to be an aha time. I want us, I know a lot of us come in distracted. A lot of us come in with all kinds of thoughts and ideas week after week, you know. Just the same old, same old. In the background, I hear this droning voice. No, it shouldn't be like that. It should be like looking up from a cell phone and going, oh, I see it. Eureka. I, I, I think that's how Jesus was when he came and preached his first sermon and said, repent. For my God's, my Father's kingdom, the kingdom of my Father is close enough to touch. It's at hand. Repent. In other words, change what you've been thinking about. Change your preoccupation and preoccupied thinking about the thing that's right in front of you now. Change the way you think about what media is telling you and what people are surmising and the conspiracies that are circulating. For just a moment, look away from that and go, Daddy's talking to me. What is the Father saying? He's saying, my kingdom is closer than you think it is. <laughs> you see, my friend, this sermon Jesus preached, the good news of the kingdom of God. That word good news is evangelion in the Greek. It's from where we get the words the evangel, the evangelist, the evangelical. It, it, it simply means good news. Now, the good news is describing something. The good news is not, not just itself. Well, here's the gospel, brother. Oh, thank you. Now, the good news is like an adjective. It's describing something. So the good news of the kingdom of God. What is the good news about? God's kingdom. The basis of all Jesus' teaching. Okay, quickly before I lose anybody. Matthew 4.23. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in a synagogue, preaching the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So we see Jesus wanted to bring good news, and he wanted to show what this good news in heaven looks like. What did it look like? They were healed, delivered, and set free. He had some good news about what his father's kingdom looks like, what the kingdom of God looks like. And he said, let me just show you what it looks like. The sick are healed, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, Blind see, I just want you guys to get it clear what 
God's kingdom looks like. Just in case there's any doubt. And we thought the good news was about me getting goosebumps when we sing in B flat 7. And my Christianity is about these five things that make God happy and those five things that make Him sad. No, in fact, the, the old covenant, the inferior covenant was about what you must eat and what you mustn't eat, what you can drink and what you don't drink. And it was preoccupied with external things. And then Paul comes along and says, but the kingdom of God is not about what you eat and what you drink. The kingdom of God is God's power. It's God's power. And Jesus came not only to talk about it, but to demonstrate it. Now, now, I kind of look around at what's happening in the world, and just like you, I have moments where I get fixated on the phone right in front of me. But then when I step back from it, and I say, what does the Father say? I hear a different key being sung. I hear things like, I'm still in control when it looks like the world is out of control. I still hear from God when I read the scripture that they brought the sick to be prayed for so they could be healed. And then I hear the science wisdom saying, stay away, close your doors, and don't mix. So, so I read in the scripture and it says, don't forsake gathering together. And then I hear, you're not allowed to gather together. So I hear, when I read the scripture, if someone is sick, call for the elders. If they're too sick to get out of bed, take oil, anoint them, and they will be healed. But then I read in the paper that we are forbidden to go to the hospital to pray for the person who's sick. Now, all of a sudden, I don't know about you, but I've got schizophrenia going on here. I've got like confused messages going around in my head. And then all the wise Christians who will get exactly what their faith says say that. And then all the unwise Christians over here get what their faith said, or camped over there, and there's a ditch on that side because they are going to criticize you if you go too close there, and there's a ditch on this side because if you go there, they're going to criticize you for going too close over there. And then I read that those that were sick were brought in line in the streets so that even Peter's shadow could fall upon them. Do you think it was his shadow that, that, that healed him? No, Peter was living under the shadow. He was living under the shadow of Al Shaddai. He was living under the shadow of Michael. So I think for a lot of Christians, if we are going to be honest about this, we say, what the heck is going on? I'm at a funeral this week. Condolences to, to Keith, to Ron's dad, who passed away, Stanley. Not of COVID. His heart attack. But we know last year in the UK alone, 20,000 people died from flu. Influenza. 20,000 died last flu season in the UK. Influenza. And you know how the flu kills them? Those with weak hearts. Those with diabetes. Those with 
chest problem. But we called it influenza. Now, all of a sudden, and I have this on good facts. Someone at the funeral yesterday is a very active member in this church. His brother passed away recently. His brother passed away because of an insulin problem, and he was high diabetic, and he had been sick, nearly died last year, died now recently, and they put on his death certificate COVID-19. When he inquired why they put COVID-19, they said this flu, well, they call it something else, this flu is so contagious at the moment, which it is, and it can affect so badly those who have preconditions that if we have to do an autopsy on every person now, we know the numbers are staggering. So the quickest way to avoid this is just to write COVID-19. Get it out the way. And we sit glued to our TVs. It's going up. It's going up. It's going up. No time for Bible. No time for prayer. No time for getting together with believers. No time for intercession. It's going up. It's going up. My friend, it was going up before we knew it was there. You think this is the first time this has been around? I'm sorry I'm not preaching the sermon that I brought you this morning. But when I read that scripture now, and I saw that Jesus demonstrated his Father's kingdom by healing the sick, I have to draw a line somewhere. I have to draw a line. I have to say, what, what, what kingdom do I want to live in? What, am I going to live in the kingdom that, 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 that says, let's put everything on pause so that the devil can have his way, and if it ever comes to an end, church will get on with its game. And we'll sing and hallelujah. And we'll... Or do we really? Is there like a, like a hunger coming up in us that says, hang on, something's not right here. There, there's a double messaging. And, and am I going to just get sucked into it? No, no. I've heard as many conspiracy theories as you have. I've heard about the vaccine and the little chip that's going to go into everybody and it's numbered, you know, 18 digits in three sets of six. I've heard all these theories. I've heard that the, you know, the olive tree is budding and the end is here. And and I'm not taking a position on any of those theories. I think the Lord first wants this gospel of his kingdom preached in every nation. But this gospel that Jesus goes around preaching is full of power. They are expecting the sick to be healed. So instead of keeping the sick away, they bring the sick and line him in the street. So that as he walks and he's close enough, people are recovering. You know the Bible says, lay hands on the sick. I walked away from the camera now. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do you know what recovery looks like? It looks like the 80% of people who are recovering right now from flu. Right now. You say, I thought it was 57. Now, you see, if you count all the people that died from heart attacks and pre-existing cancer and pre-existing diabetes and had a, even if you have a car accident and die, they want to write COVID there. Now, I'm not, sorry. You see, whenever our life is not glistening with hope, it's usually because we believe the lie somewhere. 
Your marriage is not glistening with hope? Yeah, we've believed a lie. If your finances aren't glistening with hope? Yeah, we've believed a lie. If your current situation right now is not glistening with hope, then you've got to ask yourself, what am I believing? Because Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will live in freedom. Now, I drove in here this morning, and they took my temperature. And I say, well done, guys. Because if I've got a raging fever, it might not be the most loving thing to come and breathe on people whose faith is not to get healed. Agree? But that doesn't stop me going and calling a few of my mates together and say, listen, my temperature's high, and you know, I don't have time to get flu. Anyway, you know, Jesus treated sickness like he treated sin, and he said, by his stripes, I'm healed. So I'm going to choose to believe that if you anoint me and lay your hands on me, I'm going to recover. That means I might go and lie in bed for a day or two, drink a whole lot of vitamin C, listen to my body, but I'm going to recover and get through this. I'm not going to let anybody put a death sentence on me. <gasps> have you heard? Another three people in the church have tested positive. And this year we had 30 with flu. And we advised them not to come here because... You know, of the, but that doesn't mean we they shouldn't call for the elders to pray for them. I don't know. Is anyone with me? Have I just kind of lost it? Maybe I shouldn't have read that verse. I should have gone on to another verse. But I read that verse. That he, wherever he went, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He opened. He wanted to show what his father's kingdom looks like. Now, now I, I, I get, I've been studying this kingdom stuff for m many decades, but more recently in depth. I'm talking, I'm putting in eight, ten hours a day. I, I, I'm so convinced that Jesus had no other message than his, what his father's kingdom was about. I, I, I'm, I, and I think I've done enough preaching over the last few weeks to convince you that what I'm preaching is, is biblical. That, that he taught his disciples, this is how you pray. Thy kingdom come. He said to his disciples, whenever you get together and agree anything, he has the key. What's not allowed in heaven is not allowed on earth. He said to his disciples, Jesus went about healing the sick. He went around destroying the works of Satan. And he said, change the way you think. Repent, for my Father's kingdom has come. I think when people aren't well, go to bed. Don't feel guilty about that. Wash your hands. Because we live in the 21st century. We know there's a transmission of germs. And if a person's immune system is low, there's a chance, a good chance it can affect them. So the face masks in a closed environment, nothing wrong with that. They should have been doing that before. Hygiene, fantastic. But I, I, I'm, I'm seeing something else. I'm seeing a di direct affront to the commission that Jesus gave us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And this gospel isn't only that Jesus died and was raised again, and if we believe in him, we will have eternal life. It starts there. 
Because if a man's not born again, he said to Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God and you cannot enter the kingdom of God. But now Jesus says, I'm the door. You're not getting to the Father but by me. And then he says that you can come in and find rich pasture. And we want to teach people not to sit at the door of salvation, but enter into the king's domain. What his dominion looks like. And part of that dominion, the good news of that dominion is that God's world looks different to our world. And he's looking for partners who will agree on heaven as it is on earth. He's looking for ambassadors that represent a different government, a different set of beliefs. He's looking for those that are born into his kingdom to, to stand up as full right citizens and say, I'm not going to just sit here at the border gate. I'm going in and taking everything that's mine. And my, my friends, I'm preaching to the choir here today. I'm sure you all agree. But there's a lot in Christianity right now that's coming under a direct affront by the media's portrayal of something that's out of God's control. And believers are losing their faith and falling like flies. The love of many in the last days will grow cold. Time to stir up your fire. Time to, de to be, be bold enough and courageous enough to, to speak about things that are, that are not as if they are. To, to rise up and say, like Abraham, I'm not going to be weakened in my faith, but I'm going to be strengthened because I know who I believed and I know that what I've entrusted to him, he's able to keep and hold for, for my life. Amen? Jesus went throughout Galilee Teaching in their synagogues, teaching and preaching, teaching and preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. What an amazing statement about the kingdom of God. Jesus had no other message to bring. After his resurrection and ascension, go read it yourself. In Acts chapter 1, he met with them for 40 days, speaking about the kingdom. So many other things to talk about. He spoke about the kingdom. Because you know, I, I don't know if this works for everybody, but some things only get through this educated idiot box when they are repeated and repeated and repeated. I, I want to sit there for 40 days and say, Jesus, keep saying it, keep saying it. T say it again. Yes, Jesus. Yes, yes, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Yes, Lord, I get it. I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved. Yes, Jesus, say it again. I need to hear it again. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, of eating and drinking, but or talk, but of power. Yes, Lord, tell me that again. Speak to me for 40 days and 40 nights. Keep talking, Lord. I'm in this boat, and the rain is falling, but I need to keep hearing that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ, and He shall rule forever and forever. I'm glad the next verse He says, but when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He'll teach you all things. You know, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, we'd just have words. 
written down. But the Holy Spirit comes. That was, that was the entrance of the kingdom. And Jesus said, some of you standing here will not taste death until the kingdom comes in power. On the cross, to the man, he said, today you, you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus had to resurrect before the promise of the kingdom could come and he could breathe on his disciples and say, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, what was lost in first Adam was intimacy through the Holy Spirit of the Father. That flame of fire burning inside them of relationship with God. That fire got extinguished when they were put out the garden. Redemption history was set in place, promising the coming of the Messiah. And John the Baptist stood up and said, He who's coming after me, I'm not worthy to untie his laces. He will baptize you with the Spirit and fire. John said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. And Jesus said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, because ah, my Father will send the prophet, the, the pro promise to the prophecy of Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. As they gathered there, flames came upon them, and flames burnt in them. And that baptism of the Holy Spirit was what made a person alive to God. It was what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about. It was about being born and baptized into the body of Jesus. When you are born again, you receive God's Spirit. You go from being a dead person to being a living person. Now you're living in a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Your channels are open. But that is not the only reason we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's in us for me because I need to be reconnected and reunited to my Father to hear the Holy Spirit, to operate in the gifts so that power can come through us, His believers, into the world that we live in right now. We've got to cry out for fresh baptism. So this... He's in me for me, but He's on me for you. He's in us for communion. But He's on us because He wants to change the world around us. When Jesus cast out a demon at time, sorry, I don't have all the verses at my fingertips, but He said, if this demon is cast out by the Spirit of God, then you know the kingdom has come. Why would He say that? Because the Holy Spirit comes to demonstrate what the kingdom looks like. And on the day of Pentecost, fire was poured out. And you know you right now, as a born-again believer, have got the Spirit in you. You're carrying a piece of that fire that came at Pentecost. You got some of that fire living in you that was poured out at Pentecost. And that fire is living inside of you. And that makes you different. That gives you an advantage over John. As Jesus said, of the old covenant prophets, he was the greatest because he had a new covenant revelation. He was the greatest of the old prophets. But those who are least in the kingdom are greater than John the Baptist. Why would he say that? Because John the Baptist didn't have the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist wasn't born again of the Spirit. John the Baptist didn't operate in the gifts of the Spirit. John the Baptist didn't experience the anointing in the way that is the right of a new covenant believer. The law and the prophets were until John. But now, the message, the good news of the kingdom is being preached forcefully and 
forceful men are pressing into it. Jesus had a kingdom mentality. I was, I was going to talk about kingdom culture this morning somewhere in my notes. Maybe I should keep it for next week. Maybe I should wrap up with this verse. Can I read? I'm just going to give you my introductory verse here. I'll tell you the truth. Some of you standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Now this wasn't just for one day palm the sky when you die. This is steak on your plate while you wait. This is, yeah. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. What, what's got to be preached in all the nations? The gospel. Or, or the, what the gospel describes. The kingdom of God. Can you see, in order to understand a topic, we have to ask the questions. What is, what is this kingdom? What does it look like? How does it operate? What are the keys? How does this affect my life today? If this is the big story of the Bible, if this is the big event from Genesis to Revelation, then surely I need to get a grip with this. And that starts by asking the right questions. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. This is not a new message. This is what God had in mind. This was his original intent for you. His original purpose. And he says, that was prepared. It was lost. I came back. I took those keys. I told the devil that his work is destroyed. I led captivity captive. I took them into the audience of one where the blood was shed on the mercy seat. And then I said, now I'm going back to earth and I'm going to rule and reign. And all the demons said, that's unfair. You're not allowed to do that because God will only intervene in the affairs of man through a body. And he said, look down there. There's my body waiting for me. They gathered in an upper room and I'm going to go and visit them with some power. And I'm going to visit them with some fire. And I'm going to emblaze this church. And they're going to rise up and wherever they go, wherever they put their foot, they are going to conquer for me. I've got a body. It's called my church. It's called my people. It's called my bride. And we'll look at that next week. Let's just stand up for a moment. Now, now, nothing that I said in the first 20 minutes can be used in evidence against me. Because my, out of pure integrity, I came with a sermon to preach. And then when I read that verse, I felt like a, a holy dissatisfaction with all the stuff we've been drummed and brainwashed. And that's not to say we deny that there's a reality in corona, influenza, measles, chickenpox, tuberculosis. We, we're, not, we're not denying that. 
We're just saying, our forefather Abraham didn't deny the facts. He faced the fact that his body was almost dead. He faced, so you've got to face the facts. But then it goes on and says, but was not weakened in his faith concerning God's promises. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying go out and be unwise. I'm not saying go and live on somebody else's revelation. I'm saying don't doubt what God has promised. And I want to declare over you standing here this morning, and those of you who are listening, that his promise over you is to keep you from falling and present you faultless in his eternal glory. Our Father chose you. You did not choose him. And he chose you that you would go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. When he came to you, he says, fear not, but be of good courage. For my Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. I want to declare an understanding and a revelation of the kingdom over this congregation and myself and those listening like we've never had before. So Father, right now with you, we just come and we bring the ministry of your word to you and say, God, would you anoint in our minds these scriptures in ways like we've never seen them before, with a boldness and a confidence that we've never had before. And Lord, we want to speak a healing word right now. You said that healing is the children's bread. And you said that by your stripes they were healed. And Lord, this communion we took this morning is still in our physical bodies right now. The bread that we took, the wine that we participated in, that is physically in our bodies right now. And I want to declare over the body of Jesus healing, strength to fight any virus, any bacteria. This is not a death sentence for you or your family or your friends. Yes, some people will die, but they've been dying for 6,000 years now, the last I looked. And that is the sting of death and sin that Jesus will ultimately win when he hands the kingdom over to his father, Corinthians 15. But you can expect covenantal protection over your body, over your family, over your friends. You can pray on the phone and you can declare healing is the bread of the children. Healing is the sign of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit's presence among us means that the kingdom is here and the kingdom is power. It's not just talk. It's not just eating and drinking. It is power. So I declare healing into your body, into your family, into your friendships. I declare that the church will rise up in its greatest day across South Africa, Africa, and the nations of the world as this message is broadcast and as believers Believe 
there's a concept. Believers believe. Imagine that. Imagine that. So I'll leave you with that story of my grandson. Maybe it make more sense now. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look clear at his wonderful face. He's going to guide you through this. His Holy Spirit is committed inside you to teach you, guide you, and lead you. I'll leave you with that blessing now. Amen. Amen.